Can I have one, Joe? Can I have one? Thank you, sir. Okay, good evening, everybody. Okay, we are on lesson number 13 tonight, which actually will finish out We'll finish out this book on a study in the life of Peter. And the lesson tonight is a really good one. It's a really good one to finish on. Um, it kind of helps kind of bring everything that we've looked at in this book kind of to a good conclusion and a good stopping point on this. I'll um, be looking at a lesson on consistency. And um, again, it's interesting how the Lord puts things together. It sounds like this morning's message was somewhat... Uh, in line with this as well, um, and this is a, will be a really good lesson tonight. So again, we'll finish out this book, uh, Lord willing, tonight. Next week we'll have uh, won't have teaching because we'll be the the business meeting, and then next um, week, which I guess would be what the eighteenth, I think, um, we'll pick up in another study. And actually, the plan is we'll actually be doing one we've done before, but it's been a couple years. Um, looked at the. The teachers' lessons and everything from it, and I think it'd be really good. Um, it's one kind of Lord kind of put on my heart to to do and look at. It'd be challenging for me and for you guys as well. But I'm not telling you what it is yet, so you'll find out. Uh, the lesson tonight: a lesson on consistency. Um, there are this this would take the cake for the biggest text verse because it's like Acts chapter 10 for like the entire. Uh, when all 48 verses, which we won't read that, but that, um, just to kind of briefly go over that, that's basically the situation with Peter and Cornelius. You know, the vision in Joppa that he receives, you know, goes with them to Cornelius' houses, preaches to them, they're saved, they get um, um, with the Holy Spirit there and tongues and everything, and that whole situation, that. And then in chapter 11, which we will read these verses, so if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to Acts 11. And we'll read Acts 11, verses 1 to 18. And then I'll actually pick up in the book of Galatians after that. Um, Acts chapter 11. And let's go ahead and pray real quick. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to, to be leading the lesson tonight. It's a lesson on consistency. I pray that it would be a challenge to others as well as it was a challenge to me, and that's, again, just everything that we've learned, kind of pulling it all together in kind of a word, just one, in one word would be consistency, and that's what you seek from us um, is our, in our Christian lives, and pray that we would be that, and this lesson would be a challenge tonight. Just please uh, help me as I lead it, um, get across what you want, that you just work in the hearts and lives of um, everyone else as well. In Jesus' name, amen. So Acts chapter 11, and we'll read verses 1 to 18. Again, keep in mind what I just mentioned. This is a situation after um, Peter's been to Cornelius' house and preached to him. They've been saved, etc., and they've been baptized. Here, verse, chapter 11, you can start in verse 1, Pastor. When the apostles and brethren that were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God, and when Peter was come up to Jerusalem, they that were of the circumcision contended with him, saying, Thou wentest ever to men of circumcised, and didst easy So Peter rehearsed the matter from the beginning, and expounded it by order unto them, saying, 
I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision. A certain vessel descend as it had been a great sheet let down from heaven by four corners, and it came even to me. Upon the which, when I had fastened my eyes, I considered and saw a four-footed beast of the earth, and wild beasts, and creeping things, and fowls of the air. And I heard a voice saying unto me, Arise, Peter, slay, and eat. But I said, Not so, Lord, for nothing common or unclean hath at any time entered into my mouth. But the voice answered me again from heaven, What God hath cleansed, that call not thou common. And this was done three times, and all were drawn up again into heaven. And behold, immediately there were three men already come into the house where I was, and sent from Caressa unto me. And the Spirit bade me go with them, nothing doubted. Moreover, these six brethren accompanied me, and we entered into the man's house. And he showed us how he had seen an angel in his house, which stood and said unto him, Send men to Joppa, and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter. We shall tell thee words, whereby thou and all thy house shall be saved. And as I began to speak, the Holy Ghost fell on them, as on us at the beginning. Then remembered I the word of the Lord, how that he said, John indeed baptized with water, that ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. For as much then as God gave them the gift, like as he did unto us, who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, what was I, that I could withstand God? When they heard these things, they held their they held their peace, and glorified God, saying, Then hath God also to the Gentiles granted repentance unto us. And then you already have your Bibles. Just go ahead and turn to Galatians chapter two. Uh, Galatians chapter two. Again, this is sometime later. Galatians chapter number two. Again, this is the Apostle Paul and his letter to the Galatians here. And we'll actually go back to, um, let's go back to verse number 9. And then we'll read um, verses 9 through 16 here. Um, so Galatians 2 and 9 through 16. And when James, Cephas, and John, who seemed to be <clears throat> pillars, perceived the grace that was given unto me, they gave to me and Barnabas the right hands of fellowship. That we should go unto the heathen, and they unto the circumcision. Only they would that we should remember the poor, the same which I also was forward to do. But when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him to the face, because he was to be blamed. For before that certain came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles. But when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which were of the circumcision. And the other Jews dissembled likewise with him, insomuch that Barnabas also was carried away with their dissimulation. But when I saw that they walked not brightly according to the truth of the gospel, I said unto Peter before them all, If thou, being a Jew, livest after the manner of Gentiles, and now as do the Jews, why compellest thou the Gentiles to live as do the Jews? We who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles, 
knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even, even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ, and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no man be justified. Peter's education as a disciple continued even though after you know, Jesus was, um, even after he was crucified, resurrected, and ascended back to heaven. Even as one of the leaders of the early church and as a powerful preacher of God's word, he was still in need of some correction at times. And this final lesson here, we'll seek to learn from the life of Pe the, the final lesson we will seek to learn from the life of Peter deals with consistency. Consistency. Thou art a jewel, is a quote often credited to William Shakespeare. And undoubtedly, would we would agree that consistently, great, consistency greatly affects our testimony and our effectiveness for Christ. In this passage in Galatians here, we find Paul challenging Peter to be consistent in the manner of his conduct toward fellow believers. And God had made it clear to Peter in a vision that the gospel of Christ was not to be you know, kept from anyone in Acts 10 um, that we'd already briefly seen. But here we see the peer pressure that Peter encountered that caused him to withdraw from obedience and threatened to bring harm to the cause of Christ. And Paul understood and took the occasion to remind Peter that the Great Commission was for everybody here. So point number one, we have Peter being, sort of the C, This would be probably a harder one to get. Um, how do I say it? How do I do this without giving it away? Think of the movies. Good cop, bad cop. Depends on whether they're being the subject, that is. Whether the person is being cooperative. There you go. The things that come into your mind is kind of like uh, when you think when you're playing taboo and trying to like not say what the word is. <laughs> Peter being cooperative. As we begin to look at this incident in Peter's life, we see that initially he was doing exactly what God wanted him to do. He was, one might say, off to a good and obedient start. While it is true that people do remember how we start and how we finish. It's also true that the work in between is extremely important. This is one of the reasons why we're encouraged to continue. We ought to continue in both our calling and in good doctrine, as Paul urged Timothy to do. If we've started well and continue well, it's much more likely that we will also finish well. Think of so many instances back in the Kings, like that we looked at. It started well, but they didn't end well. They didn't get from here to here overnight. It was the in-between there. So 2 Timothy 3, 3, 14, that's the first uh, verses on your sheet there. So I think that would be. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned. <clears throat> and then 1 Timothy 4, 16. Take heed unto thyself, and unto the doctrine, continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. 
Peter had learned some very hard lessons during his years of ministry, as we've looked at in this study. Think back over the lessons in this series and realize how, Peter, how they must have felt to Peter at the time. Jarring, even humiliating. But Peter had accepted the various rebukes and corrections as opportunities for education and growth. And in God's time, the way, this is how Peter had become one of the pillars of the first century church, as we've read there in Galatians chapter 2, verse 9. Some examples here. You know, it was Peter who stood up and led in the choosing of Matthias, take the place of the fallen Judas Iscariot. It was Peter who once again stood up and lifted up his voice to the, deliver the sermon at Pentecost and salvation of 3,000 souls. It was Peter who, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, brought healing to the lame man at the temple, preached the sermon in Solomon's porch, telling the men of Israel plainly that they had delivered up, denied, and killed the very prince of life and that they needed to repent and be converted. It was Peter who told the, high, told the rulers, elders, scribes, and even the high priest himself that they had crucified Jesus and that Jesus was the only way to salvation and they would go right on proclaiming in spite of all the threats. It was Peter who spoke the word that struck the deceitful couple Ananias and Sapphira dead in their tracks, literally. It was Peter whose very shadow brought hope of healing to the sick. It was Peter, fresh out of jail for the crime of filling Jerusalem with the doctrine of Christ, as was accused, who led the disciples to declare to the high priest in the council, we ought to obey God rather than men. It was Peter who, along with John, was sent on a special mission to the believers in Samaria, Acts chapter 8. It was Peter who healed um, this man named Enos, sick of the palsy, raised up Tabitha from the dead. Through these miracles brought many to trust on the Lord. It's evident that Peter was continuing. And in Acts chapter 10, we see Peter cooperating with the Holy Spirit and allowing the Lord to use him to proclaim the gospel to an unreached group. Fox's Book of Martyrs gives many instances of people who were faithful to the Lord, even unto death. Some of the greatest illustrations of continuing, though, are found in the Word of God. Joseph, Daniel, the Apostle Paul are all excellent examples of those who stood steadfast in their call and continued until the race was finished. It ought to be the goal of every believer to continue in our calling either until the trumpet sounds or the Lord calls us home. We find a clarion call in 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. So that brings us to sub-point A, his something of the Gentiles. Long word, starts with an E what we ought to be doing. Evangelization, yes. <laughs> His evangelization of the Gentiles. Now, after receiving the vision from the Lord and the commission from the Spirit here, no, Peter immediately follows the emissaries to the house of Cornelius, the centurion. Peter was clearly aware of the fact that it is the gospel that changes lives. He now knew the gospel was for all. We see this in Acts 10, 34, where it states, 
Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. And that was said when he was at Cornelius' house, I believe, um, in Acts 10. But once again, Peter had needed an attitude adjustment in order to grab hold of that truth. So Acts 10, 10 to 16. So we didn't read all of Acts 10, but we're actually getting snippets of it here. So um, that's the next uh, section on the sheet, so before we stop. But, okay. And saw heaven opened, and a certain vessel descending upon him, as it had been a great sheet knit at the four corners, and let down to the earth. Wherein were all manner of four-footed beasts of the earth, and wild beasts, and creeping things, and fowls of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill, and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. Then the voice spake unto him again the second time, What God hath said, That call not now come. And this was done thrice, and the vessel was received up again unto him. And as believers, we must realize that God is still not a respecter of persons, and that the person that we ought to witness to is, in fact, every lost person that we come in contact with. And God wants us to, God just wants us to sow the seed. The work of bringing one to repentance is the job of the Holy Spirit. Romans 8:14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And then John 6:44. The farmer does his best to prepare the ground carefully, plant the seed properly, and care for the young plants tenderly. But he can't make the sunshine, and he can't make it rain. And in spite of all his know-how and best efforts, there will be no harvest unless God does his part as well. 1 Corinthians 3, 5 to 9. It's not on your sheet there, but I'll read it here. Who then is Paul? And who is Apollos? But ministers by whom he believed, even as the Lord gave to every man. I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one. And every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are laborers together with God. You are God's husbandry. You are God's building. God used the power of the gospel to bring about regeneration and transformation to the Gentiles. It's not in your um, handout there, but there's a section here from Acts chapter 10. I'll go back and read those here real quick. Acts chapter 10, verses 44 through 48. It says, While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished. Again, because Peter went, but there were also six, it says six other Jews who went with him at Cornelius' house. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Spirit, of the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter, and man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they him to tarry certain days. That must have been an unbelievably thrilling part for Peter to be a part of that. But then Satan intervened. 
Subpoint B, we have his also starts with an E to the Jews. Take chapter 11. Explanation. His explanation to the Jews. Wherever, whenever God is working, there will always be those who criticize and become contentious. It's an amazing thing that anyone would be unhappy about people being saved. But that was the case, but case then and sadly can be the case today. Verse, uh, Acts chapter 11, verse 2, we, we did read these to start, says, They that were of the circumcision, referring to the Jews, who were upset that Peter was eating with the Gentiles and sharing the gospel with them. It's very reminiscent of what the scribes and Pharisees said while Jesus was eating with publicans and sinners. Christ's answer is as relevant today as it was 2,000 years ago. And the status of sinner is not limited to any one group. Mark chapter 2, verses 14 to 17. And it came to pass that as Jesus sat at meat in his house, many publicans and sinners sat also together with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many, and they followed him. And when the scribes and Pharisees saw him eat with the publicans and sinners, <clears throat> they said unto his disciples, How is it that he eateth and drinketh with publicans and sinners? When Jesus heard it, he saith unto them, They that are whole have no need of the physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And no, there's obviously some who could turn that around and say, in the whole, that Jesus was just a party guy, no, eating with publicans and sinners. But did you notice... The wording in verse 15, talking about of that crowd. For there were many, and they followed him. He wasn't following them. They were following him. Romans 3, verse 10. None righteous, no, not one. Romans 3, 23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And then 5, 12. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Peter went on to describe how the Lord had made it clear to him that he was to share the good news of the gospel with everyone. And the result was that God was glorified. So Acts 11, verses 17 to 18. For as much then as God gave them the like gift as he did unto us, who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, what was I that I, that I could withstand God? When they heard these things, they held their peace and glorified God, saying, Then hath God also to the Gentiles granted repentance unto them. And this one's not in your in your book here, the next couple ones. Philippians 2, 9 to 11 might be familiar. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven, and things in earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. On this sin-cursed earth, there are many man-made divisions. National borders ultimately are simply lines on a map. God sees all men as fallen and in need of a Savior. God sent His Son to be that Savior, and all who accept that Savior are one in Him. John 3.16, say it with me. For God so loved the world, 
that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. 2 Corinthians 5, 14-15. For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that, he and that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. And in Galatians 3.28, There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. So then that brings us to point two. We have uh, Peter being, also starts with a C. We have Peter being cooperative, Peter being, what was that, Amy? Confronted. Uh, confronted before that. Might be a harder one to get. Ever, send anyone, ever said to anybody, oh, don't be so similar? Computational. You guys are all hitting around it. Contrary, yep. Don't be so contrary. Peter being contrary. So far, so good. Peter had been used by God to bring salvation to the Gentiles. The other apostles and the Jewish believers had heard Peter's explanation and rejoiced in the grace of God. Now we come to our passage in Galatians. Galatians 2, 11 to 12. But when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him to the face, because he was in the For before that certain came from James, he did eat it with the Gentiles. But when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which were of the circumcision. We do not know precisely when this incident occurred here in Galatians. It could have been during the period that's described in Acts chapter 15, after Paul and Barnabas had gone to Jerusalem to deal with the controversy over the Judaizers there, with coming into the church and attempting to teach that the Gentiles basically had to be circumcised in order to be saved. In Jerusalem, Peter had once again at that time, had once again told the story of how God had sent him to the Gentiles, talking about what we just looked at in Acts chapter 10 and 11 and lent the weight of his influence to James there, who then ruled that the Gentile believers shouldn't be harassed over that, that issue there. It's actually interesting, think about, we read no more of Peter's actions in the book of Acts after that. Kind of interesting. And from this council at Jerusalem, Paul and Barnabas went to Antioch then and ministered there for some time. Acts 15, 30 to 35, I don't think it's in your book here. Um, I'll read it out of here, Acts 15, 30 to 35. It says, So when they were dismissed, they came to Antioch. And when they had gathered the multitude together, they delivered the epistle, which when they had read, they rejoiced for the consolation. And Judas and Silas, being prophets also themselves, exhorted the brethren with many words and confirmed them. And after they had tarried their space, they were let go in peace from the brethren unto the apostles, notwithstanding it pleased Silas to abide there still. Paul also and Barnabas continued in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others also. Now, evidently, during the ministry of Paul and Barnabas at Antioch, Peter had gone to you know, pay them a visit and 
them which were of the circumcision there, in quotes, showed up there as well. They seemed to have been a menacing group. And Peter gave in once again to the timidity that had led to his denial of Christ. It is at this point that we see Peter making a mistake. We know that he knew what to do. We know that he had been doing what he was supposed to do. But now we see him being distracted by the naysayers and the critics. Teddy Roosevelt, soldier, writer, and statesman, understood well that it's not the critics who accomplish great things. He said, it's not the critic who counts. The credit belongs to the man who's actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood. If he fails, at least he fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. It has been said that no one ever built a statue to a critic. Interesting. So why do we call them literary critics and <laughs> sports critics? The believer who is involved in working for Christ must realize that there will always be critics and detractors, and it's our duty to carry on and obey. So that brings us to sub-point A here. As he left the Gentiles, starts with an A. Be a harder one to get. Alone. That is correct. <laughs> he left them alone. He left the Gentiles alone. In this passage, we see Peter eating with the Gentiles and undoubtedly ministering to them. But after the Jews arrived, we see five very sad words. He withdrew and separated himself. That was something known with the law that Jews and Gentiles, obviously, as you know, there was, there was a division, a border there. He did not want the Jews to see him with the Gentiles. It's always Satan's goal to get the believer to step away from obedience and service. That's exactly what Peter did. The songwriters Howard L. and Margaret W. Brown co-authored the words to the hymn, Follow, I Will Follow Thee. And this song truly captures what the goal ought to be for every believer with these words. Jesus calls me. I must follow. Follow him all way. When my Savior goes before me, I can never stray. And why did Peter step away? The scripture says it was out of fear. Fearing them which were of the circumcision. See that in Galatians there when after the shame of his denial of Christ and the sweetness of, his sweetness of his restoration, Peter showed himself such a bold witness in the first half of the book of Acts. It seems odd that he would now once again give in to fear. But our flesh is always with us, and our old habits are never very far away. Proverbs 29, 25. The fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso putteth, putteth his trust in the Lord shall be saved. 2 Timothy 1 7. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, and of love, and of a sound mind. This next illustration, I uh, thought of you, Pastor, with this because you probably would resonate with this first statement. Working on cars sometimes seems to bring out the worst in people. <laughs> <laughs> 
And he gives a story here of a man who'd been a Christian for many years was changing the oil in his car one day. While he was lying under the car, he managed to drop the oil filter into the full pan of drained oil, which was hot and messy and now splattered on him. Almost involuntarily, an expletive escaped that had not passed his lips for more than 30 years. And he was very thankful no one else was around to hear it. That particular sin in him may have been dormant, but it was obviously not dead. Ephesians 4.27. Neither give place to the devil. <clears throat> Subpoint B. As he led the Jews, starts in A, astray. Yep. He led the Jews astray. One of the great lessons to be learned from the life of Peter is that not only are people watching us, but some will inevitably follow us. The text states that the Jews dissembled likewise with him. What does the word dissembled mean? You know what that means? kind of has the idea of to conceal one's true motives or thoughts, etc., by some pretense, to speak or act hypocritically, which coincides with Strong's definition of the Greek word, which means like to act, act hypocritically. Peter believed one way, but he acted another way. That's the essence of hypocrisy. He believed that in Christ, the Gentiles were of equal status with the Jews, but when the aggressive Judaizers came around, Peter turned his back on, the Gentile, on his Gentile friends as they were somehow inferior. We, we imagine immature children acting this way, but it's kind of difficult to comprehend that behavior in a mature Christian. You know, one of the saddest facts revealed in this passage is that a very good man by the name of Barnabas also became caught up in this dissimulation, you know, a term that's kind of similar to dissemble there. Barnabas was one of the quiet heroes of the New Testament. He had been Paul's mentor and now was his co-laborer in Antioch. I think they'd already, they'd already been on their first missionary journey by this time. He was a man who was certainly gracious, genuine, and giving. But in this instance, he was also headed in the wrong direction. It's kind of crazy you think about it. Imagine, it's kind of, the pressure from that group must have been kind of incredible in that. We sometimes ask why good people are doing the wrong thing. This passage shows us that good people often do the wrong thing because they're following other good people who are doing the wrong thing. The December 1920 issue of a monthly magazine that was published by the American Federation of Railroad Workers contained an article which included this paragraph. In their simple faith in their fellows, groups of human beings blindly follow the comrade with the loudest voice, much as sheep follow the one with the bell. If the leader be right-minded, well and good. But if he's wild and impatient, good night. We have the chaos of confidence gone wrong. And misplaced confidence is the cause of every social and industrial woe. Just, to be, just as sure as you are a foot high. I think everybody's a foot high. It takes a group 
a long time to get back to the right place after orderly following a leader who's been going for years in the wrong direction. The retreat cannot be orderly. It's kind of an interesting statement. It's important for believers to realize that there are those that are coming after us that are watching and in some cases even following us. That's why it's critical that we allow God to guide our steps. Psalm 37:23 says, "The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord." We need to listen to God for his directives for our steps and then we need to make sure that we obey those directives. Psalm 32 verse 8. And Psalm 37, 23, which we did kind of just said already, but go ahead. <laughs> the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. In Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thy heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. In Proverbs 16, 9. His heart deviseth his way, and the Lord directeth his steps. And our last point this evening, Peter being, search the C. Corrected, yep. Peter being corrected. In this passage, we see the Apostle Paul reprimanding the Apostle Peter for bowing to peer pressure rather than standing for principle. So sub-point A, we have Paul's R, search the R. Duke, yep. Again, think of how um, Paul did this. This was obviously a very public matter that needed to be addressed publicly, which he did here. Because it says in Galatians 2.11, it says he withstood him to the face and spoke to him personally and publicly in it. Again, you think about it, he didn't go around talking to everybody else, and then come talk to him. He dealt with it publicly at that point. Proverbs 6, 16 to 19. Is that one not on your, I don't think that's on there. Again, it's a familiar passage. These six things that the Lord hate, you know, set ye seven are abomination unto him. Proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent, and hands that shed innocent blood. And heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift in running to mischief, a false witness that spreadeth lies, and he that soweth discord among brethren. Ephesians 4, 29. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And Titus 3, verse 2. To speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers, but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. Then uh, James 3, 2 through 10, it's not um, in your book there, so I'll turn to it real quick um, and read it. Again, very familiar passage in um, James chapter 3. It says, For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths, that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which though they be so great, and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, for this soever the governor listeth. Even so the tongue is a little member, and boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter, a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. 
so is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature, and is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beasts, and of birds, and of serpents, and of things in the sea is tamed, and hath been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. And then James 4, 11. Speak not evil one of another, brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother and judges his brother speaketh evil of the law and judges the law. But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. Upon his appointment of General Joseph Hooker to the command of the Army of the Potomac, President Lincoln sent him the following letter, which is interesting. You think of all the other, um, uh, what do you call it, other history of what's going on around there. Of course, side note, Civil War history is pretty cool. The South had very much the superior leadership and generals, and this is kind of why in this example here. And, of course, the Union, they went through so many commanders before they got to Grant, General Grant, which finally help them win. Um, this is interesting. So this was, I don't remember what order Joseph Hooker was here um, in army in, in the command here, but this is a letter that Lincoln wrote to him here. It says, General, I have placed you at the head of the Army of the Potomac. Of course, I have done this upon what appears to me to be sufficient reasons. Probably because the person before him wasn't any good, <laughs> but anyway. Uh, well, actually, I shouldn't say that because he talks about this here. And yet, I think it best for you to know that there are some things in regards to which I am not quite satisfied with you. I think that during General Burnside's command of the army, you have taken counsel of your ambition and thwarted him as much as you could, and the which you did a great wrong to the country and to a most meritorious and honorable brother officer. I much fear that the spirit which you have aided to infuse into the army of criticizing their commander and withholding confidence from him will now turn upon you. I shall assist you as far as I can to put it down. Neither you nor Napoleon, if he were alive again, could get any good out of an army while such a spirit prevails in it. And now, beware of rashness. Beware of rashness, but with energy and sleepless vigilance, go forward and give us victories. Yours very truly, A. Lincoln. Interesting letter to get. The cause of Christ also suffers when his followers speak unkindly of each other. John 13, 35. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. Can you think of the principle of the golden rule in that? Luke 6, 31. And as ye would that men should do to you, do ye also to them right. As Jesus had more than once singled Peter out for correction before the other disciples, so Paul did now. Paul used this as a teaching moment. Not only did he talked to Peter personally, but he spoke openly before the other believers that had gone astray with Peter. Again, you think of, it wasn't just Peter in this. It was multi, mul, multiple others in it, too. 
There are certainly times that correction should be done publicly so that others can hear it and learn it for themselves. And again, where the matters become public and harm the testimony of Christ in the church. 1 Timothy 5.20. Them that sin rebuke before all, that others may also may fear. And Proverbs 27.5-6. Open rebuke is better than secret love. And again, obviously, it continues there. If it's a personal grievance, not public, Jesus also told us what to do. Matthew 18, 15 to 17. Not in the sheet there. Again, moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if you should neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. That if any neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as an heathen man and a publican. But such correction and that still has to be carried out with the proper attitude. In the same epistle where Paul discusses his calling out of Peter, he describes this attitude in Galatians 6, verse 1. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of weakness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Paul's rebuke to Peter was simply stated in verse 14. We looked at it. He said to Peter that if he were going to live like the Gentiles, no longer following the law, why was he then trying to get the new Gentile believers to follow the law? Again, it's an illustration about being distracted from a primary truth and command. In actuality, Peter was kind of drifting, getting steered toward legalism there, which was adding something to grace for salvation. Peter needed to stick with the simple gospel of grace. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Brings us to subpoint B, which was Peter's and R. Close. Not return. His res- oh, I gave you the wrong one. Peter's response. Paul's rebuke and Peter's response. Proverbs 1, verse 5. A wise man will hear and will increase learning, and a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels. Then Proverbs 9, verse 8. Reprove not a scorner, lest he hate thee. Rebuke a wise man, and he will love thee. Then 12.1. Whoso loveth instruction above his knowledge, but he that hateth reproof is brutish. 15.10. Correction is grievous unto him that forsaketh the way, and he that hateth reproof shall not. And then 15.12. A scorner loveth not one that reproveth him, neither will he go unto the wise. We actually do not know Peter's immediate response to Paul's rebuke. Paul doesn't record anything further about it in Galatians. And as we said, the further activities of Peter aren't mentioned in the book of Acts after chapter 15 there. In all of our previous lessons, though, we've seen that however hard-headed Peter may have been, he seems to have accepted all the Lord's corrections and rebukes to him. He remained special to the Savior all along. Peter was being prepared for a wonderful future ministry. So whatever his first reaction here may have been, we do know 
that Peter didn't remain offended or bitter, but instead he continued to faithfully serve until the time of his martyrdom that Jesus talked about in John chapter 21. From the epistles of Peter, we learn that although he was corrected and reprimanded publicly by Paul, at the time of that writing, Peter still loved and respected him because he referred to him as our beloved brother Paul. It would be a wonderful thing for believers today to show love towards others who correct them, knowing that corrections are intended for our good and our Christian growth. There's a common expression, don't shoot the messenger. If the mailman brings bad news, we don't think of blaming him. If your mechanic tells you that your car needs brakes, generally you will accept his advice. If your doctor tells you of a serious medical condition, you would be wise to be grateful he did so. But when it comes to accepting personal correction, we sometimes let our pride get the better of us. And we tend to resent both the advice and the person who brings it. So in conclusion, peer pressure can work in both a positive and a negative way. We need to use our influence over others to encourage and edify. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1. Be you always with me, even as I also am of Christ. And I think we might have looked at this one already, but Proverbs 1, verse 5. The wise men will hear and will increase language. The man of understanding shall come to wise There will be times when we are in need of correction. And during these times, we ought to seek to heed instruction and to allow it to get us back on the proper track. Be thankful for the people and circumstances that God places in our lives to shape and to grow us. And that verse that we just read there in Proverbs. From the life of Peter, we see that Satan continued to attack him with the same strategy. He would speak out for Christ and then to be drawn away. As we daily live out the Christian life, may it be our goal to continue to speak up and stand for the Savior, consistently living a life that is pleasing to Him. So that concludes the lesson tonight, and again, the whole study, actually, of um, Peter's education as a disciple. Anybody have any thoughts on the lesson tonight, or maybe the whole study as a whole? Anything? Yes. Again, it's that statement there. When it comes to accepting personal correction, we sometimes let our pride get the better of us and resent both the advice and the person who brings it. Yes. Nobody likes, we don't like to be wrong. Anything else? Any other thoughts? Anybody? And you think about it, as great Christians, so to speak, as like Peter and Barnabas, other guys like this, they still did things that were they had to get corrected for, even as mature and whatever as they were. They still had things they had to get corrected of.
definitely a challenge. Think of Peter again, done publicly, but again, we don't know exactly what his reaction was at the time. But he definitely, by the time he wrote his epistles, called him beloved brother Paul. He obviously had accepted it and loved him still. But hope this uh, lesson was a challenge and then also this um, entire study definitely was some um, challenging material and lessons for us to look at. But again, we'll uh, be back together again on a Sunday night and I think in two weeks start looking at another study. But let's pray. Lord, as we come before you tonight, finishing this study here and looking at Peter. Again, really easy. It's really easy to talk about someone who lived 2,000 years ago and put a magnifying glass on his life. Um, really easy to do that and talk about him. But really think about it, he's not that much unlike us in a lot of different ways. And we think of the lesson tonight just on, on being consistent again. How we start's important, how we finish is important, but the in-between often determines the difference between how we start and how we finish. Consistency. Pray that you would just help us to be the consistent, again, the daily, the daily things that we do would be taking us closer to where we need to be, not further away. Again, we all have times where we get off track and have to get back on and Pray that as we get older and mature in our Christian walk, that those times would be fewer and farther in between. Think of Peter again, just um, even as bold and fearless as we see him in the book of Acts, he still struggled with some things that he had to be corrected about. Just help us to um, work on being consistent in our walk with you and as a church. Thank you for this study that we were able to do on Sunday nights for the last number of months. Uh, I trust that it was a challenge to others as it was to me. And then be with us, be with us of course, next week with the business meeting, but then um, the week after when we pick up in our, our next study. And it, it would be encouraging and help us to continue to be more like you and grow closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen.